Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number four for Tuesday, October 30th. So this lesson is giving a lot of practical things, things that even in my own um, life, in my own as a Christian, I'm finally feeling convicted. I need to incorporate this. And I'm praying that this is getting across to you as well, that you're realizing this is not just something to study and share in class, but rather something to implement into my life. And uh, today's lesson is definitely going to have some of those components. I'm going to encourage you to, to do study it on your own. Um, I'm just giving you little tidbits here and there, but please use the links to uh, you know click and download the app into your phone or order it. I mean, I think there may still be time to order it, maybe, well, maybe not. So you, that's a, that's all right. You can order it and start getting it for the next lessons afterwards. Um, in any case, I want to encourage you do spend time studying on your own because this lesson, especially this week, will give you a lot of practical tools for your Christian life to experience this unity in your family and in your church as well. So unity of fellowship this next tuesday this lesson for today it's uh, developing on what we have already covered and begins to bring it uh, very very succinctly for us today now there there is questions as to what did the disciples do and we read it in the memory verse those four things remember uh, that we talked about sabbath afternoon this lesson begins to unpack them um, there were four main things that the christians did Bible instruction, they were, they were continually being taught the, the teachings from the apostles. Um, so they had Bible instruction. They had breaking of bread. They would share meals together. And some people say, you know, that also could be uh, alluding to communion service, which is perfectly logical. It makes sense. Um, and it could go either way, breaking of bread as far as meals or breaking the bread of the communion service. They also had fellowship and prayer. And... For me, this became very simple. They did not have to go to seminars or workshops or, you know, take four years or five years in some university to figure out how to experience Christian unity. These four ingredients are the ones that sustain the church for centuries, um, millennia even. And even to this day, I believe that this model is what we continually need to push towards because this is what will provide the results all of us want. We all want a united church. I, I cannot find one Christian that wants a church that fights or is, or is divided. No one wants that. But this is the price. These are the things, the four things that the early church did. Bible instruction, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. And I want to start talking about the lesson to spend time in, in fellowship. Um, but I want to bring this to a more focused uh, point of view. Fellowship. Um, I wrote in my lesson, um, fellowship, not so much at church, but fellowship in my home. This is the kind of fellowship that um, other parts of the world are way more comfortable than we are here in America. Uh, a friend of mine named Mark Howard, in doing one of his seminars uh, in How to Witness to Our Neighbors, pointed out something that I noticed. I just hadn't connected it. Um, he says, you know, look how, how uh, the majority of the modern homes are, are built and compare them to homes that were built, you know, in the 50s, 40s, 20s, etc. And what you will find is a church, I'm sorry, a house that uh, had porches. These porches um, allow for neighbors to come and fellowship with you. 
um, especially in the summertime, you could um, sit there and a sister, a friend Elizabeth, uh, the, your neighbor Elizabeth from across the street was sitting there too. And you would walk over and you would just sit. Some people would have swings in their porches and the neighbors, the neighbor's kids would come and it was very different. I mean, I live in a neighborhood where there are other kids, but you wouldn't know it. We know because there are those 15 minutes of time where I see them going to the schools or coming back in their parents' cars, but everybody raises their garage doors, they drive in, sometimes they wave, and then the garage door closes and that's the last we see of them. My kids are very, have grown up in a very different world than the one I grew up in, where the 40 kids that were in my neighborhood, all 40 of us were doing mischievous things in our neighborhood all afternoon long. We are growing up in a very isolated country, in a very isolated culture. Our homes, the, 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 the building, the design of our homes speaks of the culture. I want my, pay, my space to be impregnable. I may not be able to afford to live in a gated community, and if I could, I would, but since I can't, I'm gonna make sure that there is no access to me unless I let you. So the home, our homes, we are being conditioned to um, think of our homes as an off-site off place. You cannot, I don't want you to come to my house. And people may have various reasons, you know, my carpet, I don't think my sofa, I don't have furniture, whatever. And you know, all those things are superfluous reasons. I want to read to you a verse from the book of Revelation. You're very familiar with this uh, passage. Uh, Revelation chapter 3. Jesus says that <clears throat> in verse 20, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, Jesus doesn't say, I will come and see if they have nice chairs or a nice couch or if their, their walls are nicely painted or if their carpet is all one color or cleaned. Jesus doesn't say any of that. Jesus simply says, if anyone opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. If Jesus is not interested in what your house looks like, neither would your friend. I have eaten in all sorts of environments in people's homes. People have opened their homes to me for me to live in there for a year or two when I was in Columbus, Ohio. And none of those things became an issue for me. So don't let Satan convince you that your house is not worthy of people's fellowship if, if you if you're inviting christian friends they won't care either trust me many of those things are things that we built up in our homes in our in our minds about our homes that no one will like it or we're self-conscious because of this or this or that um, some of you may have been to my house some of you may have not but you need to know we have fold-out <laughs> chairs <laughs> the chairs we had they were given to us for, as a wedding gift some 10 years ago and they broke. One of them busted and the other one started getting too wobbly. And we thought that would be bad to have our guests fall on the floor. So we ended up getting these fold-out, uh, lifetime fold-out uh, plastic chairs. And that's what we have in the house. And as of yet, we have no one say, oh, I'm not going to sit in those foldable, fold-out chairs, blah, blah, blah. Nope. And our table is still the same table we, we got for our wedding. And sometimes it tilts a little bit. I have to adjust screws at the bottom. And that does not keep me from inviting people to my house. 
So you shouldn't use that as reasons to convince you that you shouldn't, you shouldn't invite people into your home. Invite them. And do not let this culture of isolation permeate and leak into your Christian experience. Fellowship in your home is one of the most intimate things you can have. Christian fellowship in your home is one of the biggest contributors to friendships. And it fights this disease of loneliness that is rampant upon our country. I already shared with you about my friend Jay Rosario wanted to go and retire in Spain because he doesn't want to grow up an old, lonely person in this country. So this idea of uh, fellowship is huge. Um, some Sabbaths ago, we had um, a, past, a Dr. Don Weaver, actually some months ago, Dr. Don Weaver, we were doing our International Celebration Day, um, highlighting how God has blessed us with members from all sorts of different nations in our countries, in our church at Oakwood. And Dr. Weaver said a phrase that the whole church just resonated with. He said, if you don't like diversity, you won't be happy in heaven. I would like to add to that statement, if you don't like fellowship, you won't be happy in heaven either. And this culture can make us incompatible to the spirit and sentiments of heaven. In heaven, if I don't know how the, what the homes will look like, but they will have none of the isolating elements that today our homes are being built with. Don't allow the, the structure of your house. If you don't have a house with a porch, that's all right. You still have a living room. You can still invite people there. And don't just invite people there for the sake of inviting. The, invite, the opening of the house, especially for the early church, was very specific. I'm going to start closing down with these um, verses. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. From house to house, there was Christian fellowship, meaning there was uh, people invited over to have seasons of prayer and time in the scriptures, time in fellowship with the Word of God and having a meal together. So the other stuff is irrelevant. Having furniture, having carpet, having paint, all of those things are irrelevant because what draws us together is not furniture, is not paint, is not the size of the house, whether big or small. What binds us together is Jesus. And the time spent praying together is so that we can experience the fulfillment of where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Wouldn't you want your home to have that experience? Why? I mean, if we're comfortable opening up our homes to inviting people to watch something on television, a special program or whatever, why wouldn't we feel comfortable inviting those very same friends to come into our house, to have a season of prayer, to have time in the Word of God? reading and sharing. I think those are the culture, the, the Christian culture elements that we need to be intense and a, a forceful, consistent in trying to create within our churches, both at Oakwood, at Monroe, and any other uh, church, you, you that are listening from other churches, push for this. Pushing your own family, pushing your own home, pushing your own mindset to shed this isolationist mindset, this, this culture of my home is my home and no one comes in here. No, invite friends, invite family uh, from church to come for the specific purpose of praying together and studying the Word of God. 
it will change the way you think about your home and you will begin to realize that Jesus placed you where you are in that neck of the woods, in that neighborhood of yours, to be a light for Him. Your neighbors will notice that there's people coming over and they'll notice that they have Bibles in their hands and they will hear the, the, the songs of praises to the Lord and they will sense the influence God will bring to your home because you're making your home a house of prayer, a house of worship and God will lead people to you because of that witness. That is a powerful way to start living our, our lives in this country where the lonely people can find a home where they can find a friend.